Hey, I'm Ayaka Spencer, and I love fandom. I love the writing, some of which I create, the art, none of which I create, and the many aspects that make it up. With the pandemic in full swing, I decided the best way not to go crazy was to start a podcast around it. This one, Down the Fandom Hole, Conversations With. So putting on my big girl bra, I took a chance and reached out to other fandom creators, asking if they would like to share their voice and experiences around it. Amazingly, most of them have said yes. So taking a moment, we sit down and chat about topics like creativity, taking risks, self-care, and many more. I am humbled that I got to chat with all of these brilliant and interesting creators from around the world, and it has only cemented my belief that fandom can also be a bridge and common ground to inclusivity. We are all valid, and fandom helps us envision worlds in which we are. God, isn't fandom fucking amazing? Anyway, to keep me from rambling on, let's get this show started. Hey folks, on today's episode, Jill and I chat about her stories, We Need to Talk About Kara, It's Only a Matter of Mime, and the Sugar Baby AU, which is the story that introduced me to Jill. We also talk about her art, who she admires, and where she thinks the great gay migration is going to go. Also, while listening to today's guest, check out the free companion post on patreon.com slash down the fandom hole. There you'll find some art, if the guest is an artist, and some other fun tittles of information. Thanks for tuning in, and let's get this started. It's time for another episode of Down the Fandom Hole, Conversations with me, Ika Spencer. Please give a warm welcome to my guest, Jill, who writes under the AO3 handle of Kara Loves All the Girls. Thank you for making time to chat with me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Not a problem. So quick question before we begin. What are your pronouns? Uh, she, her, hers. She, her, hers. So let's start the show off on a lighter okay. note. Namely, your mind. Did you AU. read it? It's only a matter of my. I read all the stories <sighs> that you told me to except the whole horror one. I made the time. Yeah, I, I appreciate <laughs> that. I gave you a whole homework list and said I refuse to talk to anyone you... who has not uh, enriched themselves with my beautiful work. <laughs> you did not say that. <laughs> my words were close to that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I did read them. Let's talk mimes. I actually seriously enjoyed this story. I was cracking up the entire time, especially when Lena was having her moments of being mm-hmm. oblivious and then Kara's just like all chill and she's being mimey. <laughs> I don't know it, if that's a word. It's definitely a word. If not, yes. I'm making it a word today yeah, right now. I accept now. your word. So thank you. Well, thank you for the positive but, response. So. Yes. Kind of walk us through what, how you came up with this idea and, you know, the whole inspiration behind it. Yeah. Um, well, the inspiration behind that, as is the inspiration for much of the things that I do in life, is was spite. I love coming up with really goofy concepts and just throwing them out into the universe and then watching how people respond. I don't even want to get into it. But I have many goofy context, concepts that everyone hates. Um, but everyone especially hated it when I said, what if Kara was a mime? Like, I'm talking about vitriolic, like messages being like I will kill you not really but if you do this please don't write this you need to update that seems you need extreme. to update sugar baby please don't write anything about that 
and I was like, so lime is what you're saying. And lots of people <laughs> did not want it. So naturally, I have to give the people what they don't want. Mm-hmm. And it's also very largely encouraged by my girlfriend. My girlfriend is a big support in everything that I do ever in life. Um, but especially when it comes to making bad fandom choices, she's very supportive mm-hmm. of me whenever I'm like, hey, I have a really bad idea. She's like, I think you should do it. So if you'll notice, my menu is dedicated to her. And yeah, so basically my favorite thing to do in life is to come up with something very ridiculous and goofy and make it Uh very enjoyable and authentic and funny. And I think humor and like meaning and sorrow and like deep stuff is very fun to intertwine, especially with ridiculous concepts. And yes. that is always my go-to. So basically, I asked people if they wanted it, and they told me they didn't, so I did it. Okay, so did you have to do any research for it? If you did, beyond the Marcel and Marcel? Yeah, what other else than that very cool out? dude, um, I did basically no research. Um, because <laughs> mimes are creepy, and I didn't really want to look into them or look at them. But you wanted yeah. to write about them. I wanted to make other people okay. picture them. I didn't want to picture them myself. You know what's kind of funny is until you actually put her in the makeup, like you specifically wrote out she was in the makeup, I just always imagined Kara mm-hmm. looking like Kara, but as mine with a striped shirt on. Well, I, didn't, I, I, <laughs> I didn't actually picture I her with the paint I worked very hard on. for when it mattered to make sure that you had to think about the makeup. Ah, <laughs> I see. <laughs> So how much fun was it it's to write this? Fun. Any regrets? Um, no, not a single one. Would do it, would do it again. Oh, that's Slash, good. I'm working on the MIME sequel for people who always ask. Um, it's a, yes, there will, really? there's a very small MIME sequel because I promised certain people that there would be. So were you surprised by that, that people wanted a not part really. two? I knew it was good. <laughs> I am never short on confidence. Um, and I, I, I knew that good. I could create a compelling story out of something that people said wouldn't be compelling. You definitely did yeah. with the Mime you. So do you want to give some of it away? Well, like your thoughts on it? On or the sequel? A little. Yeah. Um, the only thing that's super solid is it, it would be a meeting the parents kind of deal where so Kara would meet Lillian and you know what might be funny is a mime wedding you know (laughs) if I hit a hundred patrons (laughs) I'll get you a mime wedding (laughs) you heard it here all right sounds good (laughs) if you want a mime wedding Mm -hmm. on AO3 become a patron of Jill (laughs) okay how comes along sugar it's good. baby the next chapter is kind of a big one not like in length but in like content so it is taking me a little mm-hmm. longer than i would like that and the world is a fiery hellhole filled with misadventure and pain so it is hard for me at times to sit down and write but sugar baby is trekking along it will be finished um i cannot guarantee a time but it is always 
trekking along. All right, for those fans who are wondering what's going on with Sugar Baby, it's trekking along. Update. It's going to be trekking very mic along. heavy. Trekking so along. y'all get ready to be mad at me. Do you plot your story out in detail, or do you kind of have milestones that you try to make and reach, or do you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants and you're like, I have an idea. Let's see where it goes. I would say I am a mix between a milestone plotter and a pantser. Like when I come up with a story, like I've known how Sugar Baby was going to end for the what freaking three years that I've been writing it. Um, But like Mm -hmm. the full journey to get to the ending, I only have like parts of it, which at this point I have all of it because I've outlined it. But when I started it, I didn't have all of it. Um, So generally what it happens is I figure out what my story is. I figure out some major touchstones and touch points where I'm like, what does this story need to accomplish? And then how can I get to those scenes? And so I sort of patchwork them together, if that makes sense. So what was the, what's the big picture for Sugar Baby? Like you the want me to spoil the story? Overall, you can spoil it for me and I'll edit it yeah. out. How about that? Uh, I'll, I'll pass. Shoot. I, I tried. Say, I, tried. I don't write unhappy just, endings. Well, mm-hmm. that's good. Okay. So let's talk about, we need to talk about Kara. I'm curious to hear your opinion on that pick. It was nice to be able to read that and delve deep into all of the traumas that she's dealt with or deeper because, you know, seeing your place die, explode is scary. And then being stuck in a basically a void for 80 years, right, is difficult. Yeah, for years and not being able to know what's going on. And then suddenly being thrust forward and your purpose is taken away from you and you're 13 and you're in this strange place. And, you know, it's it's good that someone wrote that story for Kara. And now it's kind of if people want to, they can embrace it as headcanon. I consider it to be my headcanon for sure. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I really want to touch on therapy and the importance of it and just kind of the emotional journey for Kara without it being something that's like unbearable because it can Mm -hmm. be but I think a character like her it doesn't do her justice if you don't explore the trauma it's nice to be able to humanize our superheroes every Mm -hmm. so often to a degree and know that they've triumphed and hey she's doing all this good instead of just everyone thinking she's born this way She's kind of fought to be that Hope way. Hope isn't just something that you're born with. It's something that you have to actively choose. And I think Kara does that. Yep. Yes. Except for a while, it looked like she wasn't. She was just kind of being rote in the way she was acting. At least uh, the way you described mm-hmm. it in your story. Which, you know, there's a lot of people right now doing that, especially during these times. Because maybe they have children, but they're also becoming heavily depressed because they're never away from their children and they can't go out or, you know, whatever is going on in their life. I think it would be unfair to ask anyone to be all hope all the time, Um, to be a super shiny superhero. Like humanizing Kara makes it so that, you know, it acknowledges that it's okay to not be okay all the time. And that being unhappy or not having hope for a little while can be a part of the journey. Um, It's not a failure. It's just you surviving. But ultimately, the goal is to get past just survival. 
And that's kind of the, the arc and the story I wanted to show through that. I definitely think you did that. And it's good to see the girl of steel is also <laughs> made of aluminum that she, you know, but she always mm -hmm. chooses to be strong. And that's nice because it gives her permission to be okay with her own faults because to a degree when Supergirl talks, she doesn't always mm -hmm. sound like she can be wrong. She Ex doesn't especially feel like in the show. Wrong. But exactly. And fan fiction's awesome that way that you can allow this character who might not be able to feel this way in a show mm -hmm. in a story. So for a fic like Lena dies on a Wednesday, did you already know how it was going to end? I always knew and I always there's some stories I mean I have a lot of stories that aren't that no one really knows about because like Lena dies on a Wednesday I think that they need to be published in one go and so it's like they're not finished mm -hmm. so they're not published but with Lena dies yes I always knew kind of what I wanted which would be for them to have a series of days that they relive but without Lena knowing because I thought that was really fun and then ultimately Lena choosing to relive her last day. Like I wanted her to have that choice. To protect Kara. Mm -hmm. Because every, every loop Kara is making choices for her to try and protect her. And so mm -hmm. the final loop is the one yep. where she gets to make the choice and protect Kara. I like the twist at the end where the problem isn't that it's not centered around Lena per se, but it's actually oh, centered yeah. around the crazy lady in the wheelchair. But like reading it, I'm like, this lady is more important mm -hmm. than we realize. I wonder where she plays in it. Like, is she the reason why it's turning? Is she actually nefarious? Mm -hmm. Is she all this? And I was like, I liked how you put at the end with uh, how you explained that those stupid boards that had nonsense on them really were just nonsense. Mm -hmm. She was trying to explain, but it wasn't actually anything important. And I'm like, Damn it. I was trying to figure out if those boards were important. They were, now they they were miscommunications. Okay. <laughs> so they were supposed to be yes. good messages. They were supposed to be messages asking for help. But because of the double language barrier, you know. But yeah, no, I really love the idea. Because I think so much of fiction, or at least fan fiction, it's, it's like, this is my very special character. And the whole universe revolves around my very special character. And like... I think it's more fun if the character isn't the very special character, if they're just a side character in somebody else's plot. Yeah. But it's focused on them yeah. and it's not really about that. So it's like, it's Lena's story, but it's not, it's the woman's story. Lena is just a bystander who happens mm. to luck out by being in that moment in that time. And she's connected to someone of importance yeah. where she is also important. But yeah. she is not the reason. Lena could have been not involved at all in the story of the woman. Granted, if that happened, the day would not have relived again and yada, yada, yada. But yeah, I just love the idea of everything is kind of a chance. Are you a take the chance kind of person? Yeah. Overall? Wait, elaborate. Well, you know, like how gamblers, they enjoy the thrill of the possibility of losing, though they don't actually yes, want to lose. but I'm not a good gambler. I lost nine dollars mm. in vegas once and it about scarred me so oof. however taking the chance in a non-monetary way like not being afraid of doing something scary because it can have a cool outcome like i'm mm -hmm. pretty much all about that life so you're okay with failure mm -hmm. at the end of a chance just not the loss of money i mean i'm okay with the loss of money but i'm not gonna gamble 
because I don't have enough money to gamble. <laughs> Gambling is a is definitely <laughs> well, it's an addiction for a lot of people, but it's also a privilege to be able to gamble. Press, I guess. That's true. Being able to waste that much money in, in the hopes of you're gaining something bigger, that is scary. Yeah. But that's also thrilling. I am not a gambler. I go to Vegas for Klexicon, and I never gamble, but I do always love it. How was Klexicon? I've, I've been never to been to one. two or three, and I enjoy it. That's the only time mm-hmm. of a year that I get to see like a huge chunk of my fandom friends. So it has also given me the opportunity to meet a lot of really cool fandom people and a lot of like celebrity type people, which I don't really care as much about, but it's still kind of cool. So when you say fandom people, like other fanfic writers? I mean, yeah. Or fan yeah. makers? Um, and also just people in the fandom in general. Uh, a, pl- a plethora cool. of friends. But yeah. Good big Thank word. You. Good big word. I'm all about them big words, you know? It's a cornucopia Ooh, of delicious. words. <laughs> Delightfully. Okay. So you have spoken that you are a mm-hmm. mental health professional. How important is it to incorporate that aspect into your fan fiction? Um, I view it as very important, personally. I remember being younger and learning a lot of things from fanfic, even though you shouldn't, (laughs) just because I, you know, was an awkward little weirdo and didn't have a lot of friends. And so I think, and also on a broader, you know, view, I think a lot of people learn things from the media they consume just because of the nature of being a person, you mm-hmm. know, you tend to absorb what you interact with big that's like abusive or, you know, not portraying the most healthy decisions. You can internalize that. And so for me, I make it a point to try and portray certain positive things. I mean, not always, obviously, like I'm not like a purist who's like only good things happen in my fix. Like, for instance, in Sugar Baby, um, there's a chapter where Kara is, like, kind of a jerk. She ignores Lena, and it doesn't respond to her messages Mm -hmm. and, like, turns her phone off because she's having, like, a spiral about sort of whether or not she could be friends with someone who is like Lena. And I worked, I made it a very decided point to have Kara give a very genuine apology where she acknowledged what she did apologized for it and committed to not doing it ever again and then I have not had her do that again and she's Mm -hmm. been very steadfast so like the idea of like this is what an apology looks like and like it's okay to like can I guess um it's okay to fuck up and make Mm -hmm. bad choices uh you're not supposed to be perfect all that matters is that you try and you know having Kara fuck up and then acknowledge the fuck up and commit to improving was very important to me. And then obviously, you know, we need to talk about Kara is just a big old mental health PSA. So what are some of your OG fandoms? So my OG fandoms were like House. I loved House. My yes, big, House is awesome. The first time I was really involved in fandom was the Glee fandom. That's where I made a lot of my friends who I still have friends who are still mm-hmm. am friends with today. Because um, a lot of them ended up going to Supercore. But I have a lot of fandom friends and a lot of memories. Mostly good, a lot of bad <laughs> being in the Glee fandom. God, Glee is a nightmare. Why bad? The fandom was fine. If but you don't mind me asking. The show, the whole experience. 
it's funny me and musical dreams if you have any idea who that is oh she wrote that noir fic right yeah have you not read it Asper what do you read talking girl? about it <laughs> every what time we talk I about read? a fic you're like i vaguely have heard of it once in my life <laughs> that's fine that's acceptable anyway we were talking yes. about making a a podcast about being in the glee fandom because we were both in the glee <laughs> fandom her and, and lynn arlington they are uh-huh. deeply in love and they met in the glee fandom um i wrote a little bit during glee but not really not anything mm-hmm. anyone would remember but then i mm-hmm. went to college grew up got into supergirl at the end of my undergraduate experience is very funny i did not want to watch it because i do not like superhero stories but um, my boyfriend at the time mm-hmm. loved superhero stories and he really wanted us to have a show that we shared together. So he was like, Supergirl's out. It's about women. You love women. Okay. It's, you know, and it's got superheroes. I love superheroes. So it's perfect. And I was like, all right. And now it's what, like five or six years later, he's long gone, but I'm still with the show. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just decided in Supergirl that it would be more fun to actually write. And so I have. That's nice. Mm-hmm. So, how goes your two doors down fic? Will we be seeing an update for that soon? Um, as far as an update goes, oh, cool. also in the works, also chugging along. Um, the problem is this fic is so large. Like, the first chapter was, I don't know, like maybe like mm-hmm. 12,000 words. That feels like a lot, but it also feels like that's what it is. Because it had a lot of ground to cover. It was a lot. I really enjoyed Kara. <laughs> In this flick, her her mm-hmm. um her swaggy self confidence is cool, and then Lena being weird, yeah, and Andrea I just love... being a little puppy dog around yeah. Lena. I love stories she's where multiple people are deeply in love with the same person, and they bond over that love. I think that those are the funnest stories, and so that is kind of what the story is. But polyamory, yeah, it's joyful polygamy. Polygamy is marriage. Oh, I see. So polyamory is just dating. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it could, and sometimes people like one partner will be poly and the other won't. So like the poly person might have a girlfriend or a boyfriend on the side with the consent of the partner. And then the partner might be like, no, I'm good with just the one. What kind of fan fiction do you hate? So here's the thing. I don't want to say like, I hate this and that because chances are someone listening to this or even you, I don't know. I don't know your life might mm-hmm. love that thing and i'm not a big fan of harshing someone else's vibe okay how about what kind of fan fiction are you drawn to um probably i love character driven stories i love okay when stories don't tell me everything like i i okay i will say negative i hate with a passion flashbacks like i just hate them i think they're (laughs) i have a lot of ingrained english major snobbery and i think a part of it is i view flashbacks as um lazy exposition see i said i wanted to be positive but then you made me think and now i'm thinking about all my my judginess it's not Um, my fault agree to disagree but like i'm sure a big fan of revealing information through natural like immediate methods i know that doesn't quite make sense but 
Oh, so you want it to be explained during the present than through remembering a memory from the past. Yes. I, I annoy my girlfriend all, and roommate all the time because in a movie, if they're like, that was the king's henchman. He's the one who caused the rebellion and blah, blah, blah. I'm always like, wow, I love that exposition in the dialogue. And then they're like, stop. Um, and then it's fun time for all of us. But like, I don't want to be told by the characters what I should know. So like for me, like exposition should be like a single one-off sentence that mentions something dark. Like I think the way that I talk about Kara's past illness in Sugar Baby Kara is like the way that I'm trying to describe where it's like, you know a lot actually about mm -hmm. what happened to her. You know about that there was a hospital stay. You know that there was like a decision made. You know that it was um, debilitating that she was in a hospital for a long time. Like, and I, I tell you that without telling you that. So really it's just like a puzzle with the pieces per, um, placed there. Yeah, but the other way. pieces that connect them properly I, I think aren't there. I don't like handing things to readers. Okay. Um, you want to make the reader work for it. Yeah, because it's fun. It's more fun. Okay, that sounds good. So what got you into drawing? Oh, um... I don't know. I've been, I've been making art since I was a wee baby. Like, a wee is baby. Yes, a wee baby. <laughs> Just really, <laughs> really little, really wee baby. <laughs> Oftentimes in my life, it has cycled. So I will go like six months and just obsessively create a lot of like visual art. And then I'll be like, dang, it is so hard to tell a story because I, I really like comics. I wanted to go to SCAD and study sequential art when I was a wee high schooler. And <laughs> um, I would be like, dang, it is so hard to study or not, not study to um, create visual storytelling. Like it would be so much easier if I could just say it. And then I go, Oh yeah, writing is the thing. And then I'll spend like six months just obsessively writing stories. And then usually at the end of the six months I'll go dang it's so hard to convey meaning in words I wish I could just show people what I'm trying to say and then I will be back in that cycle and I'll just do that like basically I've been doing that my entire life just back and forth why do, do you try to mesh the two ever because you said you wanted to get into comics yeah I do I oftentimes will do comics or I'll like draw panels for stories I very rarely share them uh -huh. which is probably why it was hard to find anything I make. But yeah, I, I love storytelling in all of its forms. And I have for as long as I've been able to tell stories. Is it also a release for you when you're able to draw? Like, do you notice you're in a different state as you're drawing? Because creativity is creativity, but I know that I can't draw for shit. <laughs> so anyone who can, I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. I'm like, I can visually picture it in my head, but the tedium of actually drawing it out, it's like, I can't do that. I'm like, I have no patience for drawing. No, I definitely think there's a different mindset when you are drawing versus writing. I, I definitely think I'm using a different part of my brain. When I'm writing, I tend to become like immersed in the story and it's like, I am in the story as I'm telling it. Whereas when I'm drawing, I mean, I oftentimes watch TV or listen to a podcast when I'm drawing because I'm not really using that part of my brain. Uh, 
I'll, I'll write a story all day and then I'll relax later by doing a drawing or doing painting. I, I love watercolor and things like that. Ah, so what was your um, first medium that you used when you were a wee high schooler? Oh, just paper and pencil. Okay. I find so many comics I drew when I was in high school, just in like binders in the back of my closet. Wow. And you don't want to share more of this with the world? No, definitely not. Not my high school ones. <laughs> It'd be a good um, evolution of your drawing. I'm sure like you're a kick-ass drawer right now or artist. That's the proper term. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm do- not doing well today. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like the word drawer. That's fun. But yeah, I've definitely grown a lot. Um, there definitely is a noticeable difference, but I tend to, I don't really care what people think of my writing. Um, oh. I am very confident in my ability to write and I'm very confident in my ability to tell stories. Uh-huh. So I could write hundreds of stories and never have anyone say anything positive and I wouldn't care. But my drawings and my art itself, like beyond just drawing, because there are other ways of creating art, that is more deeply personal. So it's a lot harder for me to share that because that is something that I would care about. What kind of um, medium do you like to do most? Or is like, do you just go through phases of mediums or do you um, kind of figure out a way to combine them? Like what, what kind of grips you and makes you do your art? Oh, very much. I go through phases. I mean, it was like I said earlier with the, I would do six months of drawing and then six months of writing. Um, I am someone who becomes very intensely fascinated by something by some medium and then I just do that until it consumes me and then I'm like all right I need a break and I go to a different one like this isn't even slightly like what we're talking about but I got really into quilting over my quarantine time which is also an artistic expression Mm -hmm. um and in some ways a form of painting but I was like obsessive and I was creating all kinds of things and then I kind of hit a wall and was like all right let's do something else So I'll do that with watercolor, with gouache, with, you know, um, just pen and ink. I do a lot of digital work. I'm always jumping. So what's your kind of, what's your favorite digital software to use? Or do you just like, because I don't know anything about digital artistry, but I know that a lot of people are starting to kind of utilize that as a art form. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite software? I use Procreate because it was cheap and, and it's very accessible. Um, I have a nicer, like, hardcore tablet that requires me to connect it to a computer and to sit down. So I don't use that as much as I do the Procreate because it's just on a little tablet that I can just hold. So I can be lying in bed and using it or sitting on the couch or out in the world. Um, so for me, Procreate on just, like, a tablet is the most accessible and so it's the one i use the most so uh, who's your inspiration as far as um mainstream artists go or like do you like van gogh or old art uh, older artists or like newer artists do you kind of follow a trend or specific people that's a great question um i would say i follow a lot of artists on twitter so i don't (laughs) even know people's names off the top of my head Um, but I would be able to recognize their art style. But I would say 
style wise like modern digital artists where you can kind of see the brush strokes i love that so much and there are a number of youtubers that i also follow a lot that i also don't know off the top of my head <laughs> i'm never good at knowing people's names i just know the way that their art makes me feel what kind of art um emotion do you like the most like when you see a painting because like when i get to see art and i like when my i like art that makes me cry don't ask me why but mm. <laughs> I, please don't psychoanalyze me <laughs> I will not. but um i like when my emotions are basically just thrust to the forefront i don't know why i like hard emotions that are just brought out but what kind of emotional feelings do you like being evoked when you look at art or what do you gravitate towards i would say just a sense of wonder um and amazement at the ability people have to bring something into the world so it i tend to not like i wouldn't look at a painting and cry mm -hmm. um but i would look at a very emotional comic and cry and i would also like that but um as far as like just if i'm looking at a piece of art and it's invoking a feeling in me that feeling is almost definitely like wonder and, and amazement at the talent I get that way with writing more than I think I uh, I have with visual art. I went through my YouTube list and I found the name of an artist that I like. If you would like to know one artist that I like. Yes, please. Uh, I'm not going to pronounce his name right because I can't pronounce anything correctly. But I think his name is Marco Bucci. Like B-U-C-C-I. Bucci, yeah. I think so. He does incredible art. And he is probably one of my favorite art styles marco bucci give me a second to find him okay <laughs> i'd like to see what you're looking at if i can b-u-c-c-i you said yeah Mm-hmm. oh it's like fantastical Mm-hmm. well it's just i don't know there's something about it i'm not good with describing art there's a lot of whimsy to it Mm-hmm. that's very nice he is. I mean, I don't know what he's like as a person. I'm assuming he's not an evil person. So, but art wise, his art is pretty fantastic. What but he sees, he's pretty cool. What an Oakland um, art that I used to see when he was uh, like for the old, old cartoons, the very first Lord of the Rings, but with um, more cleaner, brighter lines. Sure. Yes. Let's go with that and say yes. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so. I like bright colors. I like watercolor. I like expressive art. I mean, he's got a book. Did you get his book, Marco Bucci? <laughs> no. No, I've only ever watched his YouTube videos. Oh, does he teach you how he does it or like he just kind of walks you through it? Yeah, he demonstrates and then I follow along. Because I, I would love to be able to use color the way that he uses color. Because I'm really bad with colors. Just in general. Like identifying colors, people will say like, "What that? What's that color?" And I'll be like, "That's green." And they'll be like, "That's very obviously like a yellow something, something, something." And I'm like, "All right, whatever." So I try and look at his to to give me a little bit of more guidance on how to find the colors inside the colors. Do you think the great gay migration will go? Oh, I have no idea. The thing about that is, I was not and a part of that. I've never been a part of that. I was into Supergirl before Lena 
Like, I watched from the beginning. Yep. So, I've never done that. <laughs> I remember the show got a little bit more exciting once Katie McGrath came in. Mm-hmm. Or McGrath. But um, I kind of just let it fall because I got busy. I'm like, oh, well. And then, you know, Netflix happens. You can binge watch it. And then you're like, what happened? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I loved season one. Season one was very mm-hmm. good. And I, I mean, I watched it live. And so it, the dynamic between Lena and Kara is probably one of the best parts of the show. But mm-hmm. it's not the part that, like, locked me in. I think Alex and Kara and just their, like, sisterhood is what locked, what, what made me watch it. All right. Let's see. More art questions. I don't have any. <laughs> Why'd you um, say that? Because <laughs> I was hoping a prompt would cause it to happen. Sometimes that's how I work. That's my mojo. Oh, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. And ratatouille. I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Well, this might be the best place to end this. <laughs> I want to thank you for coming on the show today. And I hope you have a nice rest of your day. You as well. And stay safe, be strong, and ferment everything. Excellent. That's a beautiful motto. Aloha, my lovely fan beans. That's today's show. You can follow and connect with Jill on AO3 and Tumblr as Kara Loves All the Girls, and on Twitter and Patreon as Ridiculous Trek. After that, come follow me on Tumblr and Twitter at Fandom Is Us, and on AO3 as Ayaka Spencer. Don't forget, you can find links and more on the free companion post at patreon.com slash down the fandom hole. While you're there, don't forget to check out what other cool perks and benefits you can enjoy as a subscriber. And finally, a deep, heartfelt thank you to those amazing supporters who have already subscribed. Your reason this show is possible. Much love and aloha to everyone. Thank you for listening.